0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, delighted to have you on this sports podcast, where we have quite a bit to discuss in the world of football. I'm going to be talking to Brendan Smith about the NFL trade deadline, a lot of moves, Bradley Chubb to the Dolphins. Uh, They were active, the Bears trading some players away. We talk about McCaffrey's impact on the Niners' win against the Rams. The Bills handling business, the NFL hierarchy, a lot of football talk with Brendan Smith. Then we talk college ball with Sean Sullivan. His balls are number one in the college football playoff ranking. They play the number three team in that ranking. The defending champs, Georgia. Big game coming up this weekend. Alabama plays LSU, Clemson, Notre Dame. It's a big slate of college football. And we've got it all for you here on the Money Mitch Effect, starting with Brendan Smith, followed by Sean Sullivan. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Let's start the show. All right, now back again on the show, Brendan Smith joins us to talk NFL football. Uh, Recording this today, the NFL trade deadline. So a lot to recap in the world of uh, professional football. Brendan, thanks for coming back to the show. Uh, I'm still trying to find more good NFL teams. I haven't been able to do so, so we'll see what we can discuss here.
1: (laughs) For sure, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. A
0: lot of different results in the Sunday uh, and Monday and I guess Thursday slate to kind of get to first. But uh, I think... You know, we're still at that point. Like we said, we're trying to find out who are re- who's legit, who's not. And I think you start with the Sunday night game. The Buffalo Bills, obviously legit, what Josh Allen's done. A team that's managing expectations. I think, you know, it's one thing to be a, a team on the rise, Brennan. But, you know, they're handling business and they're doing, you know, what they are expected to do. Allen's looked good. I think the defense has shown strides as well. Uh, Buffalo wearing that hat, We're in that apex role in the AFC pretty well, dismantling the Packers on Sunday night football.
1: Exactly, man. And I, I think we can kind of expect uh, Josh Allen to be that alien now where he can impact the game running or throwing. Um, Stephon Diggs is Stephon Diggs, but the, the fascinating thing that's kind of bared out over the first third of the season and, and more is that they're still getting pressure with just that front four. I mean, so many teams now you have to throw blitzers or you have to bring the corner or the safety or the linebacker, and the Bills are consistently still getting pressure with that front four. And that unlocks so much more of your defense and so many more possibilities to contain teams when you don't have to send an extra defender. And you can keep them back in coverage, and I mean that. That obviously, Von Miller is the key to that, and and that addition, uh, similar to the Rams last season, was so huge for his leadership, but also still his ability. Uh, pretty deep into his career to really impact games without needing that extra pressure so they've got it all man they've got the offense they've got the defense and and it was it will continue to be an upset if they're not cruising all the way through february in glendale and and hoisting that trophy that's they're wearing the mantle and i I think it's going to take a lot to top them anywhere between now and february
0: yeah, I mean, obviously you can put the Chiefs in there as the team that is right there with them in the AFC. Uh, by all accounts, it looks like a two-horse race. We'll get to some other teams as well. But isn't it ironic, Brennan, that you know we all talked off-season that the AFC West was going to be this gauntlet of divisions uh, of toughness, and now re- really what happened is the AFC East is actually uh, way deeper, way more competitive from from you know t- that two to four range. And weirdly enough, I think it's going to help the Bills. They're not going to be able to just completely check out I mean they still have to play division games that aren't going to be pushovers and I think that for a team that Josh Allen you know craves contact they played in the preseason they played their guys they want to continue to play meaningful games I think that's actually going to help them
1: 100 percent. and we kind of saw it with the NFC last year with the the top side with the Buccaneers and the Rams and the Packers and the 49ers that that all push each other to the end and that that's really what – it's the team that gets hot down the stretch of the season, but it's also iron sharp, sharpens iron. And there's so many – there's still good quarterbacks in the AFC, and, and it's going to continue to push the Bills, especially because the Dolphins reloaded and, and got Bradley Chubb today. I don't want to yeah. get too far ahead on the trades yet, but the Dolphins aren't going away. Um, you know, the Patriots are down, but there's, they still have Bill Belichick, and I'm reticent to ever count them out, and even in their own division – there's, there's still enough in the AFC that's going to keep pushing the Bills right. to never kind of rest on what they've accomplished so far.
0: Right, even the Jets. If, they, if the Jets are the worst team in the division, there's, there's a lot of football teams worse than the Jets right now. So there's still that aspect of the Bills that aren't able to kind of just look completely ahead of the playoffs, which is a good thing, especially a team that hasn't won a championship before. Right now, if the playoffs started in the AFC, I know the Chiefs run a bye week, but that two seed would be the Tennessee Titans, which is just phenomenal when you think about it. And uh, Mike Vrabel doing all he can, a coaching masterpiece the last couple weeks. They started 0-2. They won this game without Tannehill. They had Malik Willis, but they basically said, just don't worry about a thing. We're going to ride the big dog. He owns the Texans, and he kept it going. Just phenomenal stuff from Derrick Henry. And a team that... I think we all can agree Brennan has their limitations, the Titans, but they know who they are, they know what they aren't, and they have a good coach that just trusts his star players.
1: And that's what's amazing to you, man. They have a big time and big arms, and throwing the ball down the field. And the Bills Bills are obviously the uh, favorites in the AFC, but the team that's succeeding still and is kind of somebody you can set your watch to now in that AFC South is the team that's running the ball 30 times a game. Um, <laughs> it, it just shows that, obviously, uh, it helps to have Derrick Henry when you're trying to run the ball 30 times a game. But the Mike Vrabel just does an incredible job year after year after year. And these other teams get the hype um, because they have those quarterbacks or – those weapons and those schemes, but the Titans are consistently in it and they'll be consistently in it too because they have the defense and they have the ball control, that other teams of the AFC don't have. Yeah,
0: I don't know what the ceiling is on this team. I just know they have a pretty high floor and I think they're going to be a team that might not be as targeted in the playoffs because you know you're going to get the compete level. That goes back to the culture that Vrabel set up. Uh, fascinating stuff there. I mean, they've, they've had a lot of moving parts, you know, the front office and, and coaching staff might not have moved in lockstep, but here they are. Uh, the, the AFC is kind of a cloudy picture, clouded picture after the bills and chiefs, and you could throw the Titans in with what they've done. You mentioned the dolphins reloading. I think they're a team to kind of monitor. They haven't had healthy two of the whole way when he was there, like this week, the offense looked great. Uh, the Ravens trying to get back on track with another team that knows their identity in the other direction, Brennan, I know my Browns put a number on the Bengals, but they missed Jamar Chase, and they do not have a good offensive line, and I can't see that boding well for what's coming as the playoffs or even before the playoffs, the regular season, gets well. Obviously, pumped the Browns one was I, but looking at it from the other side, the Bengals have some glaring holes, and I don't know that they can overcome what's staring them right in the face.
1: Exactly. And, and you talked about the offense. It, it becomes... Uh, one-dimensional where they're not really opening holes for Joe Mixon, um, and they're not protecting enough to get the ball downfield in the way that Joe Burrow is a swashbuckler, push-the-ball kind of quarterback. And in this division, the the defenses continually are not ones that are going to uh, help forgive and uh, let you forget any of your struggles or kind of get comfortable in your offensive team, especially trying to throw downfield. So. And and the Ravens just added another piece to their their yeah. defense. So it's just it's like uh, they're going to have to figure that out and, and continually scheme around trying to protect Joe Burrow because he's he's not going to last the season if he keeps he keeps taking the pressure and the the hits he's taken all season long. Yeah. But you, you look at Jamar Chase and, and obviously he's an all-world receiver. There's not like like T. Higgins is a good player and and uh, Tyler Boyd is a good slot receiver, but. Once you lose somebody like that, there's not somebody just kind of waiting uh, in the wings to take over and, and put pressure on defenses the way that Chase does. So yeah. you understand that they'd, they'd struggle this week because you lose such a centerpiece to your offense. But it's not going to get any easier. And, and the top of the AFC is kind of starting to gel. And it's weird to say because the Bengals were obviously in the Super Bowl last year. But I don't mm-hmm. think they're they're in that group right now. And, and the other uh, underrated part, we talk about about pass protection of the Bengals a lot but the other side the defense uh has not been to the level that it was last year yeah. and and th- that defense gave the Titans fits it, it held Mahomes when it had to hold Mahomes mm-hmm. and this year it, it's just it's not there I mean Nick Chubb ran wild all over them um in that Monday night game so it just kind of the things are going wrong at the at the wrong time for the Bengals and I'll see if they can kind of put it together down the stretch
0: yeah it's not great and uh I I think the secondary has been bending you saw it in the game last night I think the teams in front of them have as you said gelled the Ravens and Dolphins for the adversity that they've had you know we're talking division then also other playoff teams even are finding to hit their stride they're going for it I think the Bengals kind of stuck in neutral going in reverse in a lot of ways is going to be tough uh we, we know this thing happens, and we know it's tough, and we know there's teams that have underachieved. Uh, switching to the NFC here, Brendan Smith on the money, Mitch Effect. Unfortunately, got to mention your boys. It was another bad <laughs> performance for the Rams in that one against the Niners. Oh, who man. You got the one that counted in the NFC Championship game, but outside of that, it's been one-way traffic in this rivalry. Uh, from the Niners' perspective, you saw exactly why you get a guy like Christian McCaffrey, what he can do, how he can work with a coach that's scheming for him. Had the hat trick, throwing, passing, and receiving, uh, throwing, rushing, and receiving touchdowns. You got to see another toy, maybe the best toy that Shanahan's ever had, on full display.
2: Right,
1: and and I think in the grand scheme of things, obviously with the Rams, the the tough and frustrating thing is that Sean McVay has so much familiarity with Shanahan and and his offense, and they were together in Washington. They were they've kind of come up together in the league, but. The story remains the same, that uh, if there's a versatile, tough running and receiving running back in the backfield for the 49ers, the Rams are always on their heels. They struggle with that, uh, if it's Debo or if it's McCaffrey. And that's the scary thing for the rest of the NFC is is we know Jimmy G's limitations. Um, the defense has had some guys out, but... When you see and think and start to dream about the possibilities of having McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield and and in the slot and and getting out wide and couple of that with George Kittle who's still George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk who's really coming on as kind of a downfield threat, it's it's scary, especially because the rest of the NFC, at least in the quote unquote um, elite tier of teams, good pat at the trade deadline, the Packers. Did not go out and get a receiver for Aaron Rodgers. Um, The the Vikings got better, and and they're still kind of flying under the radar as an elite NFC team. But Mm -hmm. the Rams stood pat as well, and the Buccaneers didn't make a move. So the 49ers can kind of see blood in the water, and they they know that with McCaffrey, it opens up a whole – it's not just a quarter of the playbook. It's a whole different playbook, and it's going to be fascinating to see how uh, he's deployed over the last half of the season.
0: Yeah, the first game, again, he doesn't get to practice. He shows up, does what he can, actually looked pretty well. But they also play the Chiefs, too. So that was very misleading in terms of him settling in. They got to catch their breath. They got you know, teams to deal with. But I think the Niners look like a, a legit threat in the NFC now based on that, based on a, a lot of what you said in, in terms of what the teams around them did not do. I also think, and I know McVay's had his struggles with this team, but I think the bigger, at least in 2022, Brennan, the bigger issue is the other side of the ball, that matchup. Because every time the Rams were trying to drop back, it was not good. And I know the Niners have dudes all over their defense at every level. We heard a lot of their names on the broadcast, especially in that second half. But that's where I just don't see it getting better in the short term. That line had, I mean, very little success, if any. At stopping the Niners' pass rush and the Niners' push up the middle.
1: 100%. And uh, just to touch on McCaffrey one more time, that's what that Stanford education can do for you, you know. <laughs> you're you're yeah. traded in a week and a half later, you're scoring touchdowns in every possible way on offense. But <laughs> you're right, man. It, it, it's been, for the Rams, the story has been reshuffling the offensive line all year long. Um, something that continually, I, I think, is sort of lost in, in how – this team was last year to this team this year is you lose an Andrew Whitworth on one side of your line a left tackle who's 40 years old who had seen literally everything you could see in the league and was still playing at a really high level through that Super Bowl run and then on the other side Von Miller losing him as an both as an edge presence but also as a, as a leadership presence on this team once those injuries started coming up on the offensive line and they're shuffling around and the running game is non-existent with Cam Akers situation really tenuous uh and there, there's just not a lot of yeah. production there a lot of this falls on Matt Stafford and on the other side Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey who are still unbelievable players but they, they they're like any other team in the league they have to have mm-hmm. scheme success too it's it, there's only so many things you can do to Herculean
2: yeah.
1: uh, get through a game and, and the Rams have just fallen victim to the oldest NFL uh story that you gotta build both lines first and get prevent pressure and get pressure and they're not doing either right now.
0: And it could turn fast. A good line can turn into a bad line very quickly. We've seen it. We're seeing it now. Uh so we're we're eight eight weeks into this now. Uh how do you forecast with some data here this NFC West situation turning out? I mean the Rams are struggling, the Cardinals look like a mess. The Seahawks are probably up to 5-3. and three. The Geno Smith comeback player of the year award might be wrapped eight weeks in. Are, are they going to be around? or Are the Niners just going to coast and, and go on the uptick with uh, some threats? Will the Rams bounce back? Cardinals? How do you see this shaking out in the NFC West?
1: Yeah, I, I think you. I'll go with the hot hand right now. I think the 49ers getting McCaffrey just changes so much about this team both what they can throw at the other teams in the NFC West, but also just galvanizing the entire team to know that at any second he can take it the distance and, and really be an impactful player that they didn't have before, even with Debo. Um, and, and you look at the Seahawks, and it's, it's kind of funny because it's, they're still underrated for how much success they've had and how accurate uh, Geno has been. But, and Kenneth Walker's coming on. They have another dimension with him. He's a tough runner. Um, but I, I think, in terms of just sheer talent and and possibilities in the second half of the season, it's the 49ers division to lose. The Seahawks are going to be in the conversation just because of how mediocre the NFC is. I, I just, there's not a lot of separation um, or really an elite team that's really taken the conference by storm. So it, they'll be hanging around. I think the Rams are, We'll get it together, and, and I, I think just touching on the trade deadline again with those teams that I mentioned, the 49ers, the Bucks, and the Rams, I, I think that speaks kind of volumes about how the middle class of the NFC is right now, that those teams didn't feel like they had to swing for the fences as much, that they think they can get healthy a little bit and, and put some things together and, and get sneak into one of those wild card spots. And then the Cardinals, I, they're confounding, man. I'm not exactly sure what... Uh, what the solution is there? They have talent on offense. Um, they've invested a lot of picks in that defense, and and Cliff um, still looks a little in over his head. I don't. I don't know. I, that's uh, that's a mystery to me with how much they've struggled, and I'm sure the hard knocks cameras aren't gonna really uh, help with the pressure no. that's going on inside that building right
0: now. No, I, we're going to see another coach get fired uh, in a documentary series yeah. like Jeff Fisher was, I think, is going to end up happening. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah, that's a little confounding. There's definitely not you know, a gelling going on. There's some disagreement that we can see publicly. Cardinals should be in a better place, but they're not. Uh, but I agree. I mean, this is going to be fascinating. I don't know that I buy the Seahawks. I and mean, Pete Carroll has done a tremendous job. We'll see how long this lasts. But... They love playing with each other, and they're fighting every game, so that's worth something, especially in this NFL. Uh, I guess a couple quick notes before we get to the trades. Uh, The Vikings just keep winning, so I mean, I know people are going to say they might look fraudulent, the primetime record, Kirk Cousins, all this stuff. They keep winning. O'Connell's a McVeigh disciple. They've got good systems in place on offense with Dalvin Cook and Jefferson and their defense is playing well, so they look like a legit team, and I would also throw in... You know, we know the Eagles are undefeated. They continue to impress. The Cowboys aren't that far off either. So I guess we're starting to see, see tiers separate. You have to, at least at this point in the year, consider Minnesota and Dallas in that upper echelon.
1: 100%. And, and that, that comes down to Micah Parsons oh. <laughs> and how well he, he's just reset their defense in terms of what they can do with pressure and everything else because he's just such a gener, generational talent. Um, and uh, much to uh, Jerry's chagrin, and it seems like he wants to stick with Zeke, Can I understand what the pass protection that he offers? But Tony Pollard is unreal, and I don't know how you can't scheme him up more and more touches because the guy is just explosive, and they found another layer in their offense. But yeah, the, the Eagles, uh, I, I love the aggressiveness uh, at the trade deadline just to foreshadow the next part of this conversation, but they – have gone all in and they've made – there's a difference between going all in and going all in correctly. And I I think Howie Roseman has done a ridiculous job between April and now setting up his team and making the correct moves and and really putting the the Eagles in a position where they are the elite class of the NFC. And one of the only teams that I really think can push the Bills in terms of offensive output but also defensive – doubtness um so and then, yeah the Vikings I mean just touching on them a little bit it's it's kind of the same uh the same formula for them on how to succeed with obviously Jefferson getting the ball and Dalvin Cook coming on a little bit more but Kirk Cousins is still the quarterback and as long as Kirk Cousins is the quarterback it's it's hard to forecast them making any deep runs in in the NFC so we'll we'll see well, um but they're Certainly the class of the North right
0: now. I mean, it does help. I mean, this could be the year with the teams that are down around them. You know, maybe that's what's going to give them a shot, a sliver of an opening with the Packers down, the Bucks down, the Rams down right now. So we'll see. And and, and I agree with you on the Eagles going all in as well, being good. And certain teams, like I understand not making moves like the Giants, for example, like this is kind of house money you're up against a cap wise. I don't think you need to necessarily start hemorrhaging everything now, but you'd like to see some teams be aggressive. The last thing I will say before we get to the trade deadline talk is yep. uh, the NFC South is just a complete train wreck right now. And I was looking at this today. It's crazy. I know, but maybe not that far off, but I, I think I might back the saints to win this division. I was looking at it. I'm like, do I buy the Falcons? The bucks are a mess like three and five new Orleans. They, they can, you know, maybe they can get to like eight, and nine and win the division.
1: Come on, man! You don't want to get on the Mariota train, like.
0: <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I, volatility is. I mean, it's it's a crapshoot, really. If the Panthers would have won that game, we would have just had all what three and five teams or, or worse.
1: That's such a funny thing, too, is, is that uh, DJ Moore taking his helmet off was probably the difference between being in the in first place in the NFC South and being in last place in the NFC South. My God obviously i mean he deserved to take it off after that uh kind of a catch and score but it it is it's wild because the assumption is always that a team with brady is just going to be the team that you can pencil in for winning that division Mm -hmm. and it's it's there's like a collection of good players and that just aren't quite living up to how talented they are and and the the switch between Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles, I'm not sure it, that they've handled that transition very well or if guys are just getting older at the wrong time. But, yeah, the Saints, I, I mean, they they still – Alave looks legit as a rookie, and they've still got some talent across the board. So I, I think over time the Bucks or the Saints are, are going to get enough out of this because I just don't see the Panthers or the Falcons really being – legit once we get into that late November, December timeframe where the rubber meets the road for the playoffs.
0: It's going to be fascinating. Uh, Brennan Smith here on the money Mitch effect. Let's look at the trade deadline and some moves that we saw today. I wouldn't say it was bombshell level in a lot of ways, but a lot of moving parts in terms of players that are teams that are looking to fix weaknesses in their roster, make the necessary moves to contend and keep it going. A couple ones that stood out to me, I think the running back swap between Buffalo and Indianapolis is interesting. Hines goes to the Bills for Zach Moss and a conditional fifth-round pick. It didn't really work out with Moss in Buffalo. (laughs) Hines is actually a fascinating player. I I think he is a system-type player, and this system might actually be perfect for him in Buffalo.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, man. They've been looking for a pass catching back for uh, a few, like almost the entire offseason. They took James Cook in the second round. I think he has a bright future, but this scheme is not quite featured or tailored to him yet. They tried to sign uh, McKissick, and he ended up going back to Washington. And, and now they finally get a guy in in Heinz. It's it's that's that's what I think the lesson that's been learned over the last couple of years in the NFL is: if you're close, go for it. And yeah. and Heinz is not a, a super splashy addition, but the Bills know that that. The difference between a, a second round playoff exit and the Super Bowl is mm. making sure you're not predictable yeah. going into the last couple of weeks of the season. And, and Hines is a kind of, he can add something to your offense that I don't think the Bills have with the current roster of running backs that they have.
0: I, I agree. I think Hines, pass catching back, could be the difference picking up a couple first downs in a big game and, and he'll be worth his weight in gold. So I thought that was a fascinating one there. Uh, We should talk about what the Dolphins did. It started with acquiring Bradley Chubb, probably the biggest haul of the trade deadline. They get Chubb in a fifth-round pick for Chase Edmonds, a first-round pick next year, and a fourth-round pick. And then they went and acquired Jeff Wilson, the running back, who was starting until Christian McCaffrey got to San Francisco for a fifth-round pick. So the Dolphins getting aggressive, upgrading at running back, which I think Wilson over Edmonds is, and then, of course, getting getting Bradley Chubb, giving up a first-round pick to do so. But taking that Rams approach, just disregarding picks and going for it and getting a running back, too, as part of this uh, trade, uh, Bonanza Day, that McDaniel knows. So, I I mean, I I think they're going for it. I I like this move. I think the Dolphins have been just kind of upset. The fans have been sitting on the sidelines too much. This is an aggressive trade and a big haul in Bradley Chubb.
1: Absolutely, man. And, And that you nailed it it was perfect uh talking about going all in because one of the amazing things about the Dolphins is that they had three first round picks from that Trey Lance trade I gave uh, flowers to the 49ers earlier but now I got to give it to the Dolphins because they turned those first round picks into Jalen Waddell Tyreek Hill and now Bradley Chubb I mean there's there's not much better you can do with those picks uh, and that ammo than getting those three guys in and that's another philosophy shift, philosophical shift in the in the league, is that you go out and get a Bradley Chubb who's had proven success. He's missed some games, um, but he he's a good edge rusher. He's got a lot of talent. And instead of using that first round pick, where you're and in the cycle of the process for the Dolphins on kind of an unproven guy or lower in the first round, when you're going to miss out on some of those premier pass rushers, you go out and get a guy who's uh, under 25 and, and ready to roll and rock and get some pressure on Josh Allen It's your direct competition in this division and, and especially on the run to the Super Bowl. And you mentioned it with Wilson. There's familiarity there with Mike McDaniel. And he's obviously shown a lot of flashes with the 49ers but never really gained a foothold there. Um, you have to love what they've done and kind of in the same vein of like evaluating what the Eagles have done over the last six, say, eight months. The Dolphins have done just as much to help Tua to, uh, and, and position themselves to be a power in AFC as well.
0: What do you think about a good old-fashioned division trade? And that's what we had with TJ Hawkinson going from <laughs> Lions to Vikings with Irv Smith's injury. And the Vikings now in a position that they're not used to. A comfortable NFC North lead, but they see the opening. They're surveying the field and have a weakness. Good tight end sitting there they go and get him for a second and a third-round pick. A lot for a tight end, but I guess when you got to go all in, you have to do
1: it. Exactly, yeah. And that's something else that's like underrated in in trades is also weakening a, a division rival. And you saw in the NFC North today two teams made moves that would have helped the Packers a lot, and instead they helped themselves between Chase Claypool going to the Bears and TJ Hawkinson uh, coming to Minnesota, and that's helping your team, but also hurting yeah. the presumptive favorite in mm-hmm. the Packers. But in in terms of skill set, you look at Hawkinson, and he's such a good addition to this offense, where he's going to be a pass catching back, but he's also a willing blocker. And and as this team goes, and as Dalvin Cook goes, uh, is where they're going to find success. It's obviously, with Justin Jefferson, but you're adding another kind of that middle, that slot production, that uh, over-the-middle throws for Kirk Cousins, and another safety blanket where you can rely on Hawkinson to go deeper into the playoffs as well. So the Vikings, I love the aggressiveness, and and when you have a window, seize it. And at the same time, you're uh, preventing a player like that going to Green Bay and, and maybe haunting you later.
0: Yeah, Green Bay, Tampa, not doing anything. I mean, that's, that's kind of a lingering thing. I, I, and getting to the Bears, I mean, I get going, you know, getting rid of rebuilding with the Robert Quinn and Rokon Smith trades, and Claypool is a guy for Justin Fields, but a second-round pick for Claypool it, with this market, I, I don't know about that. Now, them being in a rebuild, you want to see what Fields looks like with a proven guy. I get that, but not just saying it because it's my team, but Amari Cooper was a fifth-round pick. I mean, two for Craig just seems a little rich <laughs> for my blood.
1: Yeah, it's it, especially when I don't know if this has been totally locked down as of this call, but uh, the difference between the Ravens and the Bears' second-round pick is is quite a bit. <laughs> so, if yeah. it ends up if it's the Ravens, it's a little more palatable. If it's yep. the Bears, it's a little less. So, but I, I understand you look at Fields and and realistically, the the pass catchers in that room were tough and they finally found a little bit of momentum for him in terms of the scheme and, and how they're operating. So get get him a weapon and, and see what you really have with him before you go into next season um, when you have a pretty decent amount of draft ammo to move around and and decide if if you're going to go in a different direction at quarterback. So I like the move. I'm with you. It's a little too rich and it, it's been such a weird – like off season leading into the season of which receivers are, are costly and which receivers aren't starting first and foremost with Kristen Kirk, who's had some success, but it's, it's just, it's weird to try to figure out how the NFL and the decision makers in the NFL are valuing receivers right now, because uh-huh. it's all over the map. Yeah. And uh, it's fascinating to see Claypool still be valued at a two. And the Steelers continue to just be a murderer's row of developing and, either having successful receivers or trading receivers for assets.
0: Well, I'm just glad the Browns didn't trade Kareem Hunt, get to see him a little (laughs) bit more wearing my team's uniform. And also, I mean, how could you not appreciate the symmetry of Calvin Ridley going to the Jaguars, the team he bet on? I mean, it's just, it's perfect there. Uh, But no, but by and large, Brennan, just to wrap it up, I I think the trade that line was, I mean, we, we had the big deals before with McCaffrey obviously being the big one. But I think you see the marginal moves, maybe some more frequency of trades in season. But you know, I, I think this was about what I expected.
1: Yeah, and th- there wasn't a huge marquee name that moved at the trade deadline. But teams, I think, as a whole, and and I don't, you know, I don't want to give all the credit to less need, but in the the trades the Rams have made in the last couple of years, I think the there's been kind of a reshaping of, of how you deploy draft capital and, and what you value and where that falls in in the first round and, and beyond of, of how you can turn those picks into more productive players that are still early on in their contracts that are proving something in the league. And we saw that today. We saw a lot of trades. I mean, and then the last couple of days of Roquan Smith and, and shifting back to McCaffrey that. There's, the, there's some assets and, and different ways to imagine team building that I think has changed this year, but over the last five years that I don't think was really something that was considered uh, doable or reasonable in the league. And it's, it's a blast. It's a, it's a fun thing to see this where it kind of becomes the NBA trade deadline or some hot stove stuff mm-hmm. for Major League Baseball, yeah. but it's come to the NFL, and it's, it's a blast.
0: Eight weeks in. Still got a lot of regular season football left. Playoffs will be uh, in fuego as they always are. Can't wait to dive into more action this Sunday, starting Thursday and going all the way through Monday. Uh, Brennan Smith, thanks for coming on and talking football. We'll do this again soon, and uh, we'll react to whatever news comes our way. But thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect.
1: Thank you so much, man. It was a blast. Love it.
0: Big thanks again to Brendan Smith. Always a blast talking NFL football. We'll try to stick some wrestling in next time, you know. But thanks again to Brendan. Now we switch to the college game with Sean Sullivan. His Tennessee Volunteers are number one in the first college football playoff rankings. They play Georgia, the defending champs in Athens this week. We break down that game. Alabama-LSU. Talk about the rest of the playoff field. TCU-Clemson undefeated. Michigan trying to get their way into the top four. Ohio State in the two position. All that and more. Sean Sullivan, now on the Money Mitch Effect. Alright, now on the Money Mitch Effect, we're joined by probably the uh, guy riding the most high in the South Bay college football-wise. It's Sean Sullivan joining the show. And uh, look where we are. Just look, look where we are after years of just torment for you in the college football landscape. Playoff rankings came out. Vols are ranked number one. Sully, had to have you on this week. Thanks for coming back. Uh, What a time to be alive.
2: Oh, my goodness. I I wasn't going to care. I told myself, like, oh, it's just you a long way to go, Georgia this week, and yada, yada, yada. I I think I did three laughs around my apartment complex just (laughs) when they unveiled that number one next to Tennessee. We're not talking college baseball here, ladies and gentlemen. We're not talking college basketball. We're talking in college football. Tennessee is number one for the first time since 1998. That's a big deal, no matter how uh, how you splice it. So that uh, I was I was a fun little Tuesday treat for all the Big Orange fans out there. But yeah, you got you got to immediately go out there and prove it with the toughest test of the weekend.
0: Yeah, I again, I'm, I'm super happy for you. I do think though that in a lot of cases, whatever happened today, whatever happened last night at the ranking. This was all mm-hmm. going to be settled on the field, so whether yeah. or not you were one, it's going to come down to this game. It's just a huge right. accomplishment given the fact of where the program was. In this case, 100%. it means more to Tennessee in that sense. But, look, the the rankings themselves, we can kind of get into that. And, again, I get it mm-hmm. you know, based on how the resume is and all the ranked teams that Tennessee's beaten and how they've looked, specifically LSU coming on strong after they got drought. But Tennessee, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson are the top four followed by Michigan, Alabama, TCU, Oregon, with USC and LSU rounding out the top 10. So a couple of things stand out outside of your Vols getting number one is that Georgia's resume doesn't appear to be as, you know, rock solid as not yeah. just Georgia, but Ohio State's even, and uh, that that's number one. Number two being, I don't know why the distinguishment was made so drastic between teams like Clemson and TCU four and seven, but... You could start with mm-hmm. either of those. What stood out to you in the playoff rankings?
2: Yeah, I think that that's you're hit the nail on the head. The biggest takeaway is Georgia needs this game this weekend. Uh, they the, the committee made it very clear that they're not impressed with their resume. They're they're hanging on to that Oregon win and not much else. You know, close game, closer than the experts thought against Kent State, closer against a, a pretty a, a weak Mizzou team. So they're they're really needing this Tennessee win because if they lose. That means they're more than likely out of the SEC title game yeah, and they don't have that Bama win to try mm. to go and get them back into a playoff. Mm. So a one-loss Georgia doesn't have the resume that a one-loss Tennessee or a one-loss Alabama has, and that, that I think that's what this this committee said. I
0: think that's very fair, and I think the other part of it that we have to kind of consider is the fact that, you know, they didn't get the schedule. The breaks didn't go their way. I mean, I guess it's the breaks not going their way this time, but for all the talk about how tough the schedules can be and how it's a gauntlet, they do need, they would have needed a, another strong game that they hadn't gotten. So I don't, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think if, if they lose this game, I don't know their path to kind of get back in. So crazy to say that with the defending champs. Uh, Clems- yeah. Clemson-TCU Clemson thing is interesting to me because I've never been the biggest proponent of either of those conferences and you could mm-hmm. have talked me into them being on either end of the spectrum where they're both disrespected or they're both gassed up a little too much because they are still undefeated, but I don't think they should be that far off in the rankings.
2: No, I'm with you. I'm, I'm a big fan of TCU. They've, they've taken care of business and heck, they played ranked team after ranked team too. You know, they went through Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and then uh, took care of business in, in West Virginia last weekend. So it's not like they've had a cakewalk. They've there's plenty of Big Twelve teams ranked. The committee clearly values those guys. They did a good job highlighting that on the show yesterday. But yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of Clemson either. I, I honestly would could have flopped those guys. Yeah. Um, I think Michigan the non con killed him. Otherwise they'd be in that fourth spot. But it's gonna take care of itself. They have a very similar situation with Ohio State where, you know, they, they they run the table and beat Ohio State. Heck, even Illinois, that's a tough game for Michigan too. Yeah. You get you get you notch those two uh furs on your wall and then you're you're gonna be A okay.
0: TCU's been down in just about every game, too, which is remarkable that they just continue to come back and, you know, make I know. that move. And, yeah, it's just – it's it's something Down special. by
2: multiple scores.
0: So well, we know. Absolutely <laughs> We know. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, we know. Yeah, and I, I think the Michigan thing, it's funny, Michigan and, and the other team penalized by the non-con maybe the most was UCLA, right? And they were supposed to play and they didn't. So that's kind of yep. where we are with that. Uh, no, I think it all sorts itself out. Bama's there lurking in the shadows where they always are. And, you know, Michigan has a mm-hmm. chance and Oregon even has a chance. I mean, we're going to get into some of these games coming up, but the Pac 12 has paths for, I guess, a, a couple different teams to get to the playoff picture where they're get to the maybe the playoff picture, but definitely the yeah. conference where, you know, Oregon is was left for dead week one, Dan Lanning getting, you know, destroyed by his old team. But, you know they beat Utah, and that
2: Oregon State game will not even matter. Yep, yep, hundred percent. They got Utah, and shoot, yeah, you're right. Two ranked teams there to finish the season. Colorado and Washington, they should roll over. So hopefully they don't get caught at looking ahead. But I'm impressed mm-hmm. by them bouncing back. I'm still not sold on them as a playoff team. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff's going to have to break for them. But a win over a USC or a UCLA in a Pac-12 title game, depending on. Who's ranked higher, you know, that, that's really going to come down to, to that That cavalry game on November 19th. That's pretty awesome. But um, The way the Pac-12 does it now, it's the two highest ranked teams and mm-hmm. that's, I, I could be that could be a, a, a rematch if, if Oregon drops one, they could just run it back potentially or um, th- those, that, that trio Kind of all lurking together. So
0: that's going could be a
2: fun storyline to watch the rest of the season.
0: Hey, we I know I don't want to make you feel bad because you're gonna be out of the country for. it, But rivalry week is just shaping up to be yeah. phenomenal with the Battle of LA. Obviously, the big big boys and the yeah. you know the game in the Big Ten, and you got the Egg Bowl. And I just wow, like we're you know it's it's gonna be good. Um, before we go to this week's game, Sully, just a lot of them to mm-hmm. get to. Uh, I do want to give you guys a shout-out. Just an utter domination of Kentucky. I know Kentucky didn't play their best ball, but, man, that was defensively impressive. I think we all kind of realize how special the Tennessee offense is, but defensively, yeah. this was the best game of the season, in my opinion. hundred percent.
2: Yeah, it was It was four quarters of domination. I was a little worried when Chris Rodriguez got downhill there in that, on their one drive. Mm-hmm. That was it, man. Uh, they they shut down Will Levis. They they did not give any separation to those wide receivers, and that that's that's really good sign. Looking forward to this Georgia game with their intermediate passing and um, the Stetson Bennett's ability to to um, you know get the ball. I was concerning because they they're sort of top five. Scoring offense, too. The barometer, I think, uh, to to a bellwether test going into in this Georgia game. Um, three picks, uh, getting healthy. Uh, you know, you saw it uh, on the playoff show that, that with uh, Heupel's giant smirk when he said this is the healthiest we've been on. Was happy with the playoff ranking, but it wasn't like, oh,
0: this is the greatest day ever. You know, like, it was good. We're, we're in a good place.
2: Potential letdowns every single time this year. You know, you're going out and beat a Florida team in a, in a closer than it should have been game. You could have had a letdown at LSU the next week. Nope. You boat race LSU and you could have looked ahead to Alabama there. Yeah. And you could, you could have had a letdown here against Kentucky looking ahead in a top five matchup. If you win against Georgia, right. boom. So it's uh that this team is yeoman's work from this team. at work
0: Well, Ohio State's Penn State game wasn't the sharpest early, but I just wanted to point out: Have mm. you? Can you recall in recent memory a uh, a better defensive game than Tui Maloal had? Because that was no. that was <laughs> insane. I mean, you, you talk about the two picks, a strip sack, a nightmare all day for Clifford, just a beast.
2: Yeah, the guy's just my goodness, absolutely just stuffing them. Just ripping Sean Clifford left and right. It was it, that was impressive, man. Like he he was having having his name called and a very fun name to say uh, mm-hmm. a lot on Saturday in Happy yeah. Valley.
0: The good news for Clifford is he still has you know a couple of years left to,
2: <laughs> to yeah. Oh yeah. my god! I don't know if that's I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He, he might just want to go and be a dentist now. I Maybe
0: think. you just move on. I didn't realize, I mean, I obviously knew who he was, he was a stud, one of the best recruits in the country, but I didn't realize JT yeah. was such a good basketball player, and there was like a there was like a debate over whether or not he was even going to try to do both at Ohio State, just
2: point being that's that a so good of an athlete he is. Yeah, that makes sense, the way he bends around the corner, and the guy's just a wiry athlete.
0: Yeah,
2: it makes, makes 100%
0: sense, you can see it. Money Mitch effect, big weekend of games, November, I mean, it's always exciting to get here, but kind of sad, but... You know, we started with some action last night. We're going to keep going on. Hey, I'm actually excited, by the way. you talk about action during the week, but Thursday night, Appy State and Coastal, I'm always excited when those two teams lock oh,
2: on. Oh, my goodness. That's a tasty one. I mean, we've had some pretty light Thursday matchups. It's kind of been – that's probably my biggest bone to pick with scheduling so mm-hmm. far this year. Yeah. And this week we got a pretty good one. We got we got yeah Appy State Coastal on Thursday. And then UMass UConn on Friday. Let's go, baby! Shout out to UConn. That's, Maybe starting to turn it around a little bit. Uh, potentially, yeah. It potentially could be bowling um, mm. if they're four and five can get a win against lowly UMass, and then they close out with. Let's see. I do not have their schedule memorized. No, don't have it memorized. Uh, <laughs> Liberty and. <laughs> Liberty and Army, so yeah, that 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 could be tough. But if they steal one of those, you never know. Um, and then uh, Oregon State, Washington on uh, on Friday as well. Mm. So it's it's a good good appetizers going into the weekend. Wait, Oregon
0: State plus about three. They seem like a live dog at home. That's all I'm gonna say.
2: Friday night, I don't know. I know it's it's up to four. From what I'm Ooh. looking at. So uh, yeah, that might be a tasty play. That could be one.
0: Uh, you know, looking at the Saturday slate, it kind of interesting, too, just one of the things that stands out to me, if you look at the SEC non-marquee games, Kentucky's only mm-hmm. two points versus Missouri, so they the, how the mighty have fallen there. Just a two-point favorite there. And A M, that game against Florida, they are it looks like about three, two-and-a-half, three-point road favorites. Two teams that have just been completely heading in the wrong direction. A&M, it's just been a comedy of errors recently.
2: Dude, I'd I, I... Like Florida, I lean Florida on that one. Yeah, For being I, honest I in this yeah. like, I, 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 I trust their uh, ability to win games in a, a, a crappy fashion more than A and M. You know, just pound the rock. They're, they'll be they'll as long as they take care of the ball, they're going to be fine in this game. A and M is just a dumpster fire.
0: Yeah, and, and there's something to be said about a, a young team that is starting from scratch where it's rocky, there's losses, but they're still yeah. kind of buying in where that's Florida. A M and is the complete opposite. They were expecting
2: to be right. a playoff
0: contender. It's just been a disaster.
2: Oh, my gosh. One, two, three, four straight losses for the Aggies. Gross. What's the buyout? Absolutely $80 million? <laughs> Yeah, and I mean... <sighs> I wouldn't do it, but Auburn, shoot, they, they've the mm. last three coaches they've paid are, are about 90 or so. So they they can just talk to Auburn how they, wow. they pulled that much cash out recently.
0: Auburn's going to be making some calls, we know, with Harrison gone. And I just wonder, yeah. is Jimbo on that list? Is Lane on that list? Do they try to get Dan Lanning to one in Dunn, Oregon? I mean I'm just throwing some stuff out there. But the point being, they're not gonna go for the Billy Napier
2: under the radar type. That's no. not how they roll. No, yeah, I think they uh I think they give Lane Kiffin a call right out right out the gates, uh, and try to do the Tommy Tumerville move. Wow. And they were pretty damn successful with that in the <laughs> past, so
0: yeah, they just got to have a hire that they all agree on because I don't think Harrison did a great job, obviously, but that was doomed from the start. They didn't want him there. I mean, that's kind of how it, how it came
2: It was just a weird fit, right? Yeah. Like, from Boise to the Plains? Like, there's not a whole lot of familiarity between those two. Completely different recruiting style. He put together an okay staff but then started axing them pretty soon and it's like "Mm." yeah, Yeah, this is this is pretty doomed.
0: Do you think TCU keeps it clean on the road, nine point favorites at Texas Tech?
2: Oh man. Uh, TCU's got their work cut out for him to finish this season. They got Texas Tech at Texas at Baylor, Iowa State. Um, there, there are so many landmines and I yeah, I could absolutely see this Texas Tech team giving them a little bit of a scare if you're looking ahead to Texas and they've been down in damn near every game this year so
0: yeah you do feel like they're playing with fire when they're out there right like there's just something that's a little like they're not it's not been smooth sailings. I mean every game is close at some mm-hmm. point I, I think that they should be fine here um,
2: but yeah, hey, I mean it this, looks like Texas Tech finally ran out of steam against Baylor last week. They've been yeah. playing close game, close game, close loss, close loss, and then finally had their blowout. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, man. I think that I think they should be okay, but yeah, they got some more tests. If they go undefeated, I mean that's a pretty you can one hundred percent compare their resume with Clemson if they both finish with yep. the same record, you know, undefeated or one mm-hmm. loss as well. Uh, other games to look at as we roll along here, and again, you know, we know what the marquee game is, which we'll touch on in a second, but for sure. I, I should also point out that a lot to be played for in the middle of the pack. Oklahoma and Baylor in the, in the Big 12, Oklahoma four and a half point favorites over the Baylor Bears, and Oklahoma is kind of in desperation, but we saw that a little bit last week where they were trying to right the ship, but Vrenable's first year has been rocky. This used to be like the the premier matchup, it's not quite this year in the conference, but how do you see oklahoma baylor shaking up
2: yeah a nice nice couple of back-to-back wins they've it seemed like they've really circled the wagons as it were for the mm-hmm. for the sooners and had three straight losses there in the middle and from september to october obviously the 49 nothing drubbing and that's when i completely wrote them off mm-hmm. and credit man that, that Kansas win was nice Iowa State at Iowa State always a tough game for anybody yeah. in this conference so yeah I, I think I think they have a legitimate shot to win this game I'm still going to take Baylor uh I still think they're a better program right now and I, I think they're a better team but yeah yeah we'll yeah hate- it's gonna be a tough
0: tough big 12 slug test. I mean, maybe if TCU becomes the undefeated conference champ, that loss isn't great, but it's not as bad as it looked in the moment, you know? Like, it's just mm-hmm. something to be said there. Uh, teams trying to stop the bleeding this week. As an underdog on the road, Syracuse has lost two straight. They go to pit four-point dogs. How close they were to stealing the game against Clemson, to the bad performance against Notre Dame, and now, you know, all hands on deck trying to keep a still really good season with Dino Babers, but You know, three losses in a row here would be tough to kind of shake going into bowl season, based on all the momentum that they had. Pitts at home, looking to kind of bounce back, played the best game of anyone outside of Alabama against your Vols, so could be a could be a feisty one.
2: Yeah, and. I mean they they were hanging around with North Carolina. I think they had him down by multiple scores before North Carolina turned on the Jets last week. Uh so get, get, shoot give credit to Mac Brown and those boys. Like wow. Uh nice nice season coming together so far, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think Pitt is a formidable opponent, but come on Hughes, you got to get your stuff together. I know they had some quarterback problems last week, bench the starter, went with you know the backup that is looks pretty good. Nice, nice with his legs. Mm-hmm. Del Rio Wilson. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know. You got. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'll stick with cues here. Give me, give me, the, give me the cues. Got to stick with... round up the round up the uh, <laughs> the the cattle and the, and the all of them. Round up everybody. This is the last. Just going into pit. Yeah. This yeah. Is this the, is the last.
0: There. Last stand. If you want to have a truly truly great year for for Syracuse. Uh, speaking of speaking of I don't know about last stands but just bouncing back Oklahoma State has to do that this week against Kansas they're just one and a half point favorites on the road at the Jayhawks a uh, a terrible performance to say the least against Kansas State and I know Gundy said the team's been banged up and he's regretted how he kind of handled the practice week but you know this is hey this is Oklahoma State's chance to you know still finish 10 and 2 if they win out but after last week, is just try to find some momentum against a Kansas team that, you know, wasn't even expecting to be anything this year, Sully. So I don't think they feel any pressure at all.
2: No, yeah, the Kansas Kansas Jayhawks, they're they're one away from bowling, and that's all they really wanted this year, right? Exactly. But they finish they finish with Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Texas, Kansas State. They finish with the three big dogs ranked currently. Um, so this might be their best outside, chance outside given of TCU. given
0: where Oklahoma State is health wise. It's strange to say, but this might be their best chance to solidify that bowl eligibility. Seriously, the next
2: two weeks, although they know how to beat Texas pretty well, mm-hmm. uh, so they can they can do that as well. Don't want to write off that game. Um, <laughs> yeah. But oh man, uh, talking to our boy Rob, the resident poke, he's it's like just so telling. Give us the the whole rundown of, of their punter just quit. They're they're are oh, two years old and just hung it up. <laughs> damn. Uh, they they're, they're two starting running backs are out. They're starting safeties that really hurt. They need them back to be uh, to come back. Um, they're they're wide receivers. They're running like all freshman wide receivers out there. Oh, gosh, that's just – that. it looks like it could have be a, a nice bounce back from mm. last year, even with the TCU close loss. Mm. Get yeah. the win against Texas, flying high. Can you just keep it together until mm. we can get healthy? And, man, last week was an eye-opener. Um, so, yeah, I think you just burned that tape. I think this game is going to be way closer. Yeah. then um, uh, yeah, shoot, I'll, I'll, I'll lean Pokes on here. Give uh- them –
0: I'll lean pokes I'll Give him a 3.1. Sure. I'll lean pokes, but I wouldn't say I'm confident based on what I said no, last week. No, heck no. I'm staying away. Uh, I, sh- it. Yeah. Bet the, don't,
2: don't bet this game until you see the injury report 20 minutes before kickoff. Yeah,
0: or just don't bet this game. Uh, Illinois, yeah, Illinois, shout out to them. I mean, they're 16-point favorites against Michigan State. What a world. And Michigan State, who you know get stumped by Michigan has to suspend some players for a mugging in the hallway just not great times for the Mel Tucker era. no <laughs> but on the flip Illinois just props to looking good a chance to go to Indianapolis I mean that they're riding high Michigan State's riding low
2: oh my gosh Bur Bielema I love it just <laughs> ground and pound is back in the big 10. ground beef it's absolutely nothing but ground beef on that on that front line and that that run game. Brown is a stud, uh, and I mean, speaking of Syracuse, they could really use uh, the old quarterback there for the Illini-, Illini. My goodness, what a season! Like Indiana, they're kicking themselves, dude, <laughs> kicking themselves for losing that game. They could be undefeated. They should have had that freaking game one. Mm. Mm. Oh my God! Mm. I, but I'm glad they haven't. I'm glad they haven't kicked themselves yet because they're on yeah. a nice little run here: Virginia, Chattanooga, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Michigan State. Not the not the toughest of slates. There, one no. could one could argue. One could. Uh, and and it's not and it's not exactly uh, tough. The next couple weeks, Michigan State's a pushover. Purdue is do do. Uh, but yeah, you'll get your test November nineteenth against Michigan. For sure, um, but even then, I think you're already, you're already you already win the next two weeks. You're you already locked up the division.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's 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 insane, man. But hey, the Illini are back uh, for a Saturday night game. Just just quickly, I'm really excited to ca- see the Kansas State Texas game. That might be oh yeah the evening game that I'm looking forward to the most because I really do think that it could go either way. I think Kansas State's built a lot of momentum, and I know Texas their shortcomings are, are withstanding, but these are two very live teams and very volatile teams. We've seen them win big and lose big this year, so I'm excited for this one.
2: Oh yeah, Kansas State. Uh, I'm, oh, I've always had a little little crush on them. They've they've been <laughs> a darling in the Big Twelve for a long time. Um, Vaughn is stud of studs. Yeah. This is a tiny little 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 wrecking ball out there. Um, yeah, and Texas better strap it up, man. I'm I'm very excited. Night game at. <laughs> Out in uh, DKR, or, or no? It's at Bill Snyder. Excuse me. um So that that makes it even better. The 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 the, uh, the Big Apple. <laughs> um. Yeah,
0: yeah. Got to be naming stadiums for people that are still alive. Love that. Uh, mm-hmm. Without question. <laughs> Without, well, I mean,
2: come on now. If I anybody gets, gets that treatment, it's like Gary Patterson and Bill Snyder. That's that's about it, right? He gets a pass.
0: Um, all right, Sean Sullivan, Money Mitch Effect. The final three games to talk about some big ones. We will uh, start with the, I guess, unofficial ACC game, Clemson and Notre Dame. So this is probably Clemson's chance, or I guess You know, I guess I should say this: Notre Dame at the, at home, four point dogs in this one, taking on Clemson, who kind of needs that resume builder. I think it's safe to say maybe obviously not as much as TCU. You look at the flip side, Notre Dame, Sully, I don't know what to expect from this team. They're beating they're beating down Syracuse, they're losing to Stanford, they're losing to Marshall. They're I don't know, but but I would be very I would be very hesitant if Clemson goes with the DJ experience for the full game. This could be a scenario where he just doesn't play in the second half or the where the transition is is fully made.
2: A hundred percent. I think you're right, man. I, I think it's time to pull the plug, honestly. And I, I, I don't know why they haven't already. I mean, they won uh, a title doing that, that big, one year. Big like, yeah. one year they
0: won a title doing this exact same thing. So
2: Nick Saban's done it, too. You know, he's he's done this QB system shoot. It goes all the way back to, you know, the, Steve Spurrier was famous for doing it. He was really the, the first one to do it on a national stage and win a natty. Everybody... For years, it was the two quarterbacks, no quarterbacks, and he proved everybody wrong with that one. Um, But, I mean, shoot, I I think DJ's not the answer. Um, And I I don't think Notre Dame's going to win this thing regardless. But which team's going to show up? (laughs) Seriously, though, like as you were mentioning, it's it's like, are they losing? Is it the 16 to 14 loss at home to Stanford, who is garbage? Or Marshall, who let's check their schedule. But yeah, they're <laughs> no, four and four. We don't have
0: to. <laughs> no, they're I,
2: four and four. I, w- I would they're say not-
0: the variance is on offense, right? Like defensively, they've been. I mean, I guess they've had their dips, but offensively, it's like what I have no idea what you're going to get from this team. That yeah, that's where yeah. I'm just completely, you know, confounded. But yeah, I, man, that you that's can only
2: a- put up 14 points against Stanford, and then you put up. Back to back forty burgers. Like I, 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 I don't know, I don't
0: know. They do well against the ACC, though, as our as our boy Camp Brown points out. So they, that's, they do that well is correct. That conference. Uh, maybe they should join. I don't
2: know. I'll be pulling for them I'll tell you that a, a, yeah. a, a one loss true. Clemson versus a one loss Tennessee. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that's either way. That's, that's that's a win for the ball. Hey,
0: I'm pulling for him too for that Notre Dame resume builder for Ohio State. So let's go. That's ahead. a good just, point. Like, there you uh, go. Let's go, ours. Second last game to talk about the night game, Alabama-LSU. LSU at home. Pretty environment, as we know, into the top ten of the playoffs. Uh, ranking uh, 13.5 points at home. Do they cover this spread? Does Bama kick it into high gear? These games are always kind of interesting. Even when Bama's been great and LSU's been mediocre, I feel like these games have been closer than normal. But how do you see this one shaking out?
2: Oh, man. I, I'm – I'm not a believer in LSU. I, I think they're okay. That win last week uh, was very impressive, no doubt about it. Blowing them, blowing the doors off, um, or a couple weeks ago, excuse me, um, of Ole Miss. That that I did not see that happening. I did not see that one coming. Uh, Forty-five points from that offense. Even I mean, Ole Miss's defense isn't really nothing to write home about, but um, that was an impressive output. With that being said, uh, I'm, I'm leaning. It's time. With that one loss hanging over Alabama, they're going to turn it on. They can't afford another loss. Nick Saban's going to be coaching for his life out there, uh, and his players better react to it because um, hmm. he, he's, he's, he's going to have uh, – you, you saw the antics in the Tennessee game. He was pretty pissed then. Just imagine uh, he, losing to first-year coach Kelly. Uh, yeah he's it, going to be fired up for this one
0: it, it, i i agree with you isn't it weird it's almost like not that he wants it but it's like he really does kind of you know get going get the juices going more when he has that one loss and it's fully back when he's got that challenge wall.
2: Yeah, it's back like against the wall. Animal. It's crazy. Crazy! You never want to play at a Bama like that.
0: No, that, no.
2: that's almost more intimidating than I think undefeated sure. number one Bama.
0: And it's like he he looks that as a badge of honor more. It's like the undefeated teams yeah. are great, but I love having to coach my way back into the playoff picture. As
2: the as, as the as the TV announcers love to point out, it's like that boxer that gets the first taste of blood. It's like all right, now we now let's go. We got a yeah. got a rightful challenger. Yeah,
0: Saban just smiles at, at the sight of his own blood. Uh, So I do Mm -hmm. think Alabama covers here, and that sets the stage for one-versus-two. Tennessee, Georgia the playoff rankings. uh, One-versus-three now. One-versus-three, excuse me. One-versus-three. But either way, I mean, I think one-versus-two in the AP poll, you can kind of, you know, I think Tennessee and Ohio State were tied in that one. So there's a lot of different, basically, two of the top three teams, two of the top teams in the country. Georgia at home, eight-point favorites in this one. 330, CBS kick on the East Coast. Uh, it's what you want. It's what you grew up watching, and, and Tennessee and Georgia back in a big game. Let's look at Woo. what it's going to take for the Vols to win this game, Sully, and I know offensively they're rolling, and defensively it was their yeah. best game, but how can they, with their matchup, take this one mm-hmm. and, and knock off Georgia and Athens?
2: I think it's it comes down to the trenches, as always, but uh, especially in this game. I mean, Byron Young has been hair on fire a couple sacks last week. Um, and then the John Perry Transfer from Kansas Big boy in the middle Big Omari Thomas playing well for the Vols It really comes down to that defensive line Continuing to play out of their minds Like my goodness This, this front seven is, is really stepping up um, And they're, You look at the stats and the 124th in the country In passing defense I think they showed last week that the numbers can lie to you A little bit They've just played a, a lot of really talented quarterbacks and they have the talent back there and they've been banged up back there but the run defense has been good solid all year um you, t- you
1: eliminate
2: the run from georgia uh and force bennett to beat you which he absolutely can dice him up and he could dice anybody up he's shown throughout his career uh, much better defenses than what tennessee has um so i think you just you make him one dimensional um force a couple picks like Will Levis and tight coverage is throwing it up. Bennett can do that mm-hmm. as well. Um, and I really think it comes down to D line. Cause if you, if you can create a nice pocket, cause people forget Bennett can dice you up with his legs too. He's got the longest run of Georgia, uh, this year. Um, put it everybody on that offense. He's still, it's, it's, a, it's a weird stat, but yeah, he's, he's got the, the, the 75 yarder. And nobody else comes close. Um, and then, obviously, those tight ends. My goodness, that's the, the probably the best duo of, at any position yeah. in the country. Yeah, Powers
0: is a stud, and I think that's another X factor to, to obviously watch and monitor what he does. But I agree. I mean, if you put the ball in Setson Bennett's hands, and, and I think this also comes back to how good the Tennessee offense is. I'm not bad-mouthing yeah. Setson Bennett is a good college quarterback, 100%. But if Tennessee yeah. turns into a track meet, that favors them in that matchup. Yep. That said, I I actually feel like, I I don't know that I would, let's see, I'm not sure if I'm going to go Tennessee to win outright, but I definitely don't think they're going to get, I think the way the game sets up, I don't think that they, I don't think this is going to be a high variance games in terms of one way or the other blowout, because I think the way these teams are going to play, regardless of who's in, like if Georgia gets the lead, they're not going to try to just, air it out and keep putting points up because that gives no. Tennessee a chance to get back into the game if that makes sense. Right. So,
2: they're gonna they're yeah. gonna try to control the ball and, and and limit Tennessee's possessions as much as possible.
0: I also think Tennessee there. kinda learned some things in the Alabama game that hey just because we're up eighteen, you know, it might be good to put those long oh, yeah. drives together. Kinda like they did against Kentucky when they had the lead. Like let's not just let's not just, you know, turn this into a complete, you know, quick strike offense. So I expect a close right. game. I think you know, I think depending on what happens, the over/unders at about what's well, actually jumped up to sixty-six. I think it might actually go under that. I kind of feel like defenses are going to play better than we're. We're all talking offense, but I think defenses are going to show up in this one.
2: Yeah, it, it, it always tends to do that, right? Yeah. When you got two top offenses in the country going head to head, Vegas knows. Vegas they knows. They do. They definitely. Um, do. And I, I think on the offensive side of the ball, that when Tennessee's doing running at 100, 110 miles an hour uh, the run game is playing a major factor um, and with Smith out for the year that's that's really big uh, for, for Georgia um, I think Tennessee's going to be able to run the ball a little bit and if they can do that they're going to win the game
0: So are you going Vols? Outright winners?
2: Yeah I'll take Vols outright uh, it is absolutely the cover Like okay. if, if yeah. they, if, I think you're right this is going to be a tight game classic SEC 330 matchup and let's go
0: all right, man. Well, hey, I'm excited for you. This is going to be good. Vols, Georgia. Again, Georgia needs this game a little more based on the rankings. So, uh, mm-hmm. But just to be back in the mix, being back in the fold is great. And we'll see where we go, man. More upsets, more playoffs to uh, discuss. Sean Sullivan, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. And uh, go Big Orange this weekend.
2: Go Big Orange. Thanks for having me, good sir.
0: That's it for this week's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks as always to the guests, Sean Sullivan and Brennan Smith for popping on and talking football, one of my favorite hobbies in life. The Money Mitch Effect, as a reminder, can be found on all your podcast platforms. Go to SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play. Search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up and leave a rating or a review. Follow me on Twitter at Money Mitch M21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive content there. For Sean Sullivan and Brandon Smith, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.